Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 224 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think would be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to talk about boring investing. Uh, and why boring investing might not be such a bad thing for you, might not be uh, such a bad idea for those of us out there looking uh, to get reliable returns over the long term. And I'm really going to juxtapose it with a lot of the very uh, exciting investing and exciting speculating that we have seen uh, over the past year, year and a half, uh, as we've seen the rise of a lot of speculative assets in the market. So stay tuned uh, for a discussion of all that and more in today's episode. Before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify Podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long-form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan that is specific to you and your family's needs and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can help you do that. Uh, just message me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and mention that you are interested in financial coaching sessions. Uh, and we can get together and start working towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately uh, towards long-term financial freedom, which is what uh, I am all about on this show every single day, uh, is helping all of you to reach long-term financial freedom. Now, hopefully you have listened to me enough, and maybe you haven't, but hopefully you have, uh, that you've listened to me enough to know that investing is important, right? And it's important to grow your money for the future. And it's important to be putting money away systematically uh, so that you can have money in the future, right? I set out a financial action plan for you guys. I've talked about the financial action plan many a times on this show, right? And it's set out to uh, help you to get to financial freedom in the most efficient way possible. Now, the issue is, is that a lot of people like to skip steps, right? A lot of people like to skip uh, to different levels of uh, the financial action plan or any other financial plan, right? They like to skip things that seem mundane and they like to skip things that seem boring or simple and move to things that seem really exciting and really quick and really uh, like, you know, we're going to win the jackpot. This is going to, you know, make us millionaires. This is going to do it, right? Uh, and the sad fact of it all is that very few people actually win at that game. Very few people actually uh, get rich quick. And those that do tend to squander it, right? So I thought I would just start uh, today with a Bible verse from Proverbs, Proverbs 13, uh, 11. And it says that wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gains little by little will increase it, right? So this tells you, right? It doesn't mean that not everybody who gains wealth quickly uh, can keep some of it. That's not what it's saying necessarily. It's just saying that Whoever does gather little by little, that's what's going to stick around. And if you notice, people who work for years and years and they grind out at what they do and then they become rich at whatever they've been working on, right? Those tend to be the individuals who really keep that wealth, right? There's new money and there's old money. And that old money tends to be people who have really grinded over the long term and they have really worked at whatever they're working uh, towards and they gain it little by little. They gain their wealth little by little uh, and they end up keeping it, right? And they increase it and increase it and increase it. And a lot of people who get wealthy very fast, who gain riches very quickly, uh, tend to blow them, right? There are tons of professional athletes out there who can attest to the fact that getting those first million dollar checks uh, can go by really fast. I 
I like the story that Shaq tells, right? Shaquille O'Neal, he's he told about getting his first endorsement check uh, and how he went out and uh, bought himself a car, the car that he really wanted, uh, which cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Then he went and bought one for his dad, and he bought one for his mom, and then he went and bought all these other types of you know clothes and shoes and you know all these different things, right? And uh, his financial guy called him or his manager, somebody uh, like that in his circle called him and they said. Shaq, what are, what are you doing? What are you spending all this money on? Uh, because he didn't know that he had to pay taxes, right? He didn't know uh, that he was going to have to live on some of that money. He didn't know how much of that was going to have to go to his agent. He didn't know how much of that was going to go uh, to many different places, to many different people that he uh, had to pay before he could just sit on it and keep the money that he had, right? So he was unsure. He gained it very hastily, right? He gained it quickly. Now, he worked hard to get there, but he got that check really quick, and then he blew it very quickly. And a lot of individuals in professional sports have done this over time. Uh, and it's not necessarily professional sports I want to talk about, but it's the fact that people are shooting to gain wealth quickly, right? They want to get rich as quickly as possible, and they want to do it in the easiest way possible, okay? And when we are investing, right, some people think that the point of investing is to get rich as quick as possible. It's not the point at all. The point of investing is to put money away for some specific goal and continue to grow it systematically in things that work at a good rate of return, right? If we will remember, right, remember the definition of an investment that comes from security analysis written by Ben Graham and David Dodd that I've uh, told you guys many times over. An investment operation is one which by a thorough analysis, right, offers the safety of principle and an adequate return and anything else is speculation. Right? So when we are investing, we're looking for things that we can analyze. We're looking for things uh, that will provide safety of principle. Right, And then we are looking for adequate returns. And adequate uh, can be whatever your goal actually is. Right, Adequate can be any number of things. Right, uh, But adequate also has to be realistic. And adequate also has to take into account uh, that for any amount of return, you're going to have to take risk right? Uh, there has to be risk taking in order to get more and more in the way of returns, right? Why do you think uh, that a stock, right? Or a group of stocks or the S&P 500, right? Or something of the like, right? A diversified group of stocks is going to earn more uh, than a group of treasury bonds, right? Or a treasury bond. Well, because a stock is more risk than a treasury bond. A group of stocks is more risk than the treasury bond. There's more ambiguity to it, and so there's more return offered on the back end, okay? And also, why do you think uh, that there are such high returns on things like cryptocurrency uh, in the past year or so, or in the past few years, actually, right? Why has there been such high returns on Bitcoin and Ethereum and things like because of risk, right? People didn't know a lot about it. And when there's a lot of risk, right, there can be extremely high returns uh, when things start to shake out in a positive manner for some asset or for some asset class, right? So what we have to understand is that in order to take proper risks, right, we have to be able to analyze things and we have to be able to make good investment decisions. And I am here to tell you today that investing in a boring way right? Or investing like a boomer. A lot of people are saying that people who invest in 401ks and people invest in IRAs and in their mutual funds and ETFs and, you know, things that are, uh, you know, really, you know, stable and long-term and will grow at a decent clip for you, that that's investing like a boomer, right? Well, I'm telling you that's investing like a smart investor. And that's investing like somebody who is going to gain wealth little by little over time. And the problem with viewing this as 
something that is, oh, that's too slow, right? I, I have to move faster than that. Is that if you try to move too fast, you're going to take too much risk and it's likely that you are going to get bit, right? Uh, there's no doubt uh, that over the past year and a half, we have seen uh, many assets just increase in value at amazing clips, right? If you'll kind of remember uh, early in 2020, the big talk was Tesla, right? Tesla was just blowing up in price, right? Tesla was just increasing and increasing and increasing in price. Uh, they had a five for one stock split, which just pushed the price even higher, right? Their stock price went crazy in 2020, right? Now it's kind of found a range in 2021 where it's kind of uh, leveled off a bit, right? It's, it's a fair amount off of that high uh, from early this year as well, right? But it all kind of started uh, in that place where people were speculating heavily uh, in Tesla and everybody thought, oh, Tesla's going to change the world. Elon Musk is going to change the world. And I'm not saying that that is a negative uh, thing or that that's a wrong conclusion even, but I'm just saying that uh, they were willing to buy at any time at any price. And then you kind of saw people move uh, into the Bitcoin space, right? That was a big thing last year, about the same time uh, as Tesla as well. Uh, and Bitcoin had big run-ups, right? Uh, we saw earlier this year, uh, we had the GameStop deal, and that's still kind of going on, still kind of shaking out. But the big uh, pop in GameStop stock was earlier this year, right? Because of all the speculation, because of Reddit and Wall Street bets and all of those types of things, right? So we saw that speculation and that run-up. Uh, we also saw Dogecoin, right? Which was created as a joke, right? It's a cryptocurrency that is created as a joke. It is uh, the epitome of the meme stock fiasco and the crypto craze, right? Uh, Dogecoin blows up. Why? Because a bunch of people just jumped in to buy it. A bunch of people wanted uh, quick returns. They wanted to make money fast, so they jumped into Dogecoin, right? Now we've seen AMC uh, in the recent past. Their stock's blown up in price in the same way that GameStop did. Uh, and now these Wall Street bets, people are moving towards uh, you know companies like Wendy's and different uh, companies, BlackBerry, and all these different companies, right? Uh, and they are speculative assets, right? These are speculative things that people are putting their money in. These people are speculating and not investing. Now, why is it speculating and not investing? Well, it's speculating and not investing because, right, a lot of them, I'm not saying everybody is speculating, and I've explained why, and I'll kind of get into that a little bit, but most of them are speculating because uh, the beginning of something being an investment is that it has to be done via thorough analysis. And if there is no thorough analysis, then it's not an investment, right? And just jumping into something because it's going up in price uh, doesn't make that thing an investment, right? That's just straight up speculation. Right. So if you're not doing analysis, that's speculation. If something doesn't offer safety of principle, that's speculation. Right. If something doesn't offer an adequate return, that's speculation. Right. So any of those things can lead you to the conclusion that an asset is speculative in nature. Now, I'm not trying to talk you out of certain investments or into others. I'm just trying to tell you uh, that if you are investing in these things, quote unquote, investing or speculating in these things, right? This is not a reliable way to make money over the long term. And it's not a reliable way to grow your wealth, right? The reliable ways to grow your wealth have been done for years and years and years and years. And I know this sounds like it's antiquated and it sounds like, you know, I'm just on the side of, you know, Wall Street and on the side of the traditional individuals. And that is just not the case. I just know market history, right? We've seen this before. This is not new. It is not new that people get crazy about asset classes. It is not new uh, that people, you know, squeeze the shorts in certain stocks, 
right? The only thing that's new is that we have social media that allows it to blow up. And we have a bunch of new investors that have entered the market because they received stimulus checks or one thing or another, right? And these individuals uh, are ready to allocate capital and keep it in certain places and even buy the dips in these certain speculative assets, right? And you know that I don't have a problem with you speculating with some portion of your assets. I just know that that's not where you should start. You shouldn't start with speculation. You should start with reliable investing, reliable investment principles. And then if you want to do a bit of speculation on top of the reliable investing that you are doing, that's okay. I don't, I'm not mad at you because of that, right? But I think that if you're not doing the reliable investing things, it is more likely than not that you'll get bitten in some way, shape or form in the future. Now, defensive investors, right? Uh, they reach their long-term financial goals by being sustainably and reliably right. In other words, you need to find a balance between controlling risk and maximizing gains, as well as curbing the self-defeating behavior that can reduce portfolio returns. And that self-defeating behavior is something like FOMO, fear of missing out, right? And a lot of people have gotten fear of missing out uh, in the past year or so. They have abandoned good investment tactics uh, in the name of making a lot of money real quick. And there's nothing wrong with making money. I am not downing you if you have made a lot of money uh, in AMC or GameStop or Dogecoin or Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever. I'm not downing you. I'm just saying over the long term, more likely than not, you're going to get bitten with such a view of investments. Okay. So if you've made money in it, fine. I'm not mad at you. Okay. But what I'm telling you uh, is that to be reliably good at investing, right, you have to do things that are reliable. You have to do things that are tried and true, right? Consider what can happen when investors blindly follow the crowd which a lot of people have in the past year or so. They have blindly followed the crowd and are still doing so. The January effect, for example, occurs when investors try to follow a mechanical formula for higher stock performance at the beginning of the year. But when investors pile in, assuming that stock prices will follow a traditional trajectory of going up in January after dipping in December, they can create a crowded trade and ultimately lead to underperformance, right? And that has happened in just about every one of these speculative assets that I've talked about uh, in this episode, right? Uh, you look at Tesla, right? It got overcrowded, it fell hard, and it's kind of been range bound since, right? You look at Dogecoin, right? It got hot, it got overcrowded, it's kind of been range bound since. It's not uh, at the highs that it was. Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin got really hot, uh, got you know a bit of overperformance. Now uh, it has underperformed uh, ever since that top, right? Uh, things like that, where people pile in when people follow the crowd, lead to underperformance, right? So we don't want to go with the crowd. We want to go against the crowd. And what would be naturally against the crowd at this point when it comes to investing? Uh, what would be against the crowd is actually investing in a traditional way, investing in a way that looks at stock fundamentals, that looks at uh, the actual value of a company, the value of uh, firms, the value of a mutual fund, the value of an ETF, the price, uh, and seeing if something's overvalued or undervalued, right? People tend not to care about that right now. Uh, but again, we have seen these types of things happen before and we know how this ends. If the dot-com bubble taught us nothing, it taught us that just thinking uh, that things can go up forever never works, right? Eventually, the market runs into friction, and when the market runs into friction, the bubble pops, okay? And you don't want to be at the top of the bubble when the bubble pops, right? Because uh, you'll end up splatting to the ground with the rest uh, of the liquid from that bubble, okay? Uh, so we don't want to be in that place. So what do we do? Stay the course and follow core principles, Okay, with every new wave of optimism or pessimism, 
We're ready to abandon history and time-tested principles, but we cling tenaciously and unquestioningly to our prejudices. Okay, so think about that statement, right? This is from Ben Graham. This is from The Intelligent Investor. Okay, with every new wave of optimism or pessimism, okay? There, there seems to be a new wave of optimism in uh, the investing world every single week nowadays, right? So with every new wave of optimism, right, we're ready to abandon history and time-tested principles. Now, what does history and time-tested principles tell us? History tells us uh, that things that don't show fundamental value don't maintain value in the market over the long term, right? They eventually pop. They, it eventually goes down to the value that it is actually worth, okay? So that's what history tells us. And what about time-tested principles? Well, time-tested principles are finding things that have fundamental value uh, and investing in those things and not investing in things uh, that are overvalued or not investing in things that are not investments at all and just simply speculating with all of our money, right? So that is not the way to go about it either. As market volatility resulting from the coronavirus pandemic demonstrated, investors tend to let their emotions sway their decisions. In volatile markets, some are tempted to abandon the sound investing principles that have stood the test of time, right? So when the market crashed last year, right, what did you do? If you're an investor, what did you do? Or what do you think you would have done as an investor if you're not currently in that place where you are investing large sums of money? What would you have done, right? I'll tell you what a lot of people did, and they regret it on the back end, is they took money out of their 401ks. They took money out of their IRAs, their investment accounts, all these different things, right? They sold. And then what happens? You make several fold out of the bottom, right? If you would have invested in the bottom uh, of the coronavirus crash, you could have made quite the return since then, right? Uh, and that's what good investors do. They buy dips in things that are reliable. They buy dips in things that they have conviction about and things that have fundamental value, okay? Now, under Bing Graham's rationale, the intelligent investor may actually welcome a bear market as an opportunity to buy low. Other time-tested strategies include buying funds over individual stocks and dollar cost averaging into the market, right? It is time-tested that buying the stock market, buying the S&P 500, buying some index, right, can beat an individual stock picker. I've talked to you many times about how active managers underperform. Well, this is that, right? It is time-tested that active managers underperform. And you think you're better than an, uh, than an active manager who gets paid to manage a certain portfolio? Probably not, right? And so you out here investing in, uh, or again, air quotes, investing in Bitcoin and Dogecoin and AMC and GameStop and whatever, right? Uh, when does the party end, right? And when the party ends, where are you going to put your money? Right? I know there's always a new flavor of the month, right? But when that flavor of the month comes along, are you always going to be timely getting there? And are you always going to be on the uptrend and not the downtrend? Because if you know anything about these trends, uh, the downtrends are very, very steep, just like the uptrends. So then what else do we have to do? If we're going to invest in a more boring way, right? Uh, we have to determine a criteria for investment. This is something else that Ben Graham says. It is our argument that a sufficiently low price can turn a security of mediocre quality into a sound investment opportunity. For if the price is low enough to create a substantial margin of safety, the security thereby meets our criterion of investment. Right? So he talks about this idea of the margin of safety, uh, which is the difference between the current market price and the intrinsic value or the fundamental value uh, that they put on a particular stock or particular security. Right, And he wants that margin to be as large as possible because that means uh, if he were to be a little wrong right, and may have uh, you know, overstated the intrinsic value, 
then maybe still uh, the market price can increase to uh, whatever the intrinsic value is uh, and you can still make a good return. You can still make a nice return based on that margin of safety. So if a stock's price is low enough, right? If something falls enough, then it can become a good investment, right? Even if it's a mediocre company, it can still become a good investment. The margin of safety is dependent on price paid and is defined as the favorable difference between price on one hand and the indicated appraised value on the other. The overriding philosophy behind uh, the investment requirements, there's really no such thing as a good or a bad stock. Instead, think of stocks as either cheap or expensive, right? If you're gonna buy individual stocks, you either buy things that are on sale or you buy things that are overpriced. Right. Uh, and a lot of people who are buying into some of these speculative assets, the, I would say the vast majority are doing so at an overpriced valuation. They are overvalued. And the fact that they are overvalued means uh, that you could really take a bath in it if uh, those things were to crash in any amount. I know a lot of people who have gotten out of Bitcoin as Bitcoin has fallen uh, nearly 50%. It had a, a little pop out of that, uh, given that El Salvador took it on as uh, a currency. But uh, even so, right, those big drops scare people away when if you really believed in something, uh, you would invest more. But in speculative assets, it is tough to invest more when you don't know what the actual value is in the first place. Look, there will continue to be wide discrepancies between price and value in the market. Now, sometimes those discrepancies will be where value is much greater than price, right? Which is a good time to invest. And sometimes it will be where price is far greater than value, which is a time where you don't necessarily want to be investing as much, right? Uh, and there will continue to be these times, but those who stick to time-tested historical uh, ways of investing, right? Things that have been tried and true will win over the long term. Right. Uh, whether or not you're picking individual stocks, whether or not you're picking individual securities to invest in. Right. Which I've told you that most people should not. Right. Most people should uh, invest most of their money into index funds, into uh, very low cost, low turnover mutual funds and ETFs uh, that track with the market pretty close. Right. Uh, those are some of the most efficient investments for most individuals. Right. And most people don't have the time or the want to do all the research that it takes to invest in individual stocks. And if that is the case, then you shouldn't be investing in them in the first place. The historic time-tested thing to do is to buy index funds, is to allow your wealth to grow little by little over time because trying to gain it hastily uh, will lead to you squandering it, right? Will lead to you betting on the next thing and that thing busting because what is the difference in you know speculating in Dogecoin and going to a casino? There's very little difference. Right now, again, if you want to speculate with five to 10% of your portfolio, do it. Right. But if you don't have any other portfolio, right, you need to start with some time tested uh, investment strategies. You need to start with some principles of investment uh, where you are systematically putting money away uh, and doing so in something that is going to go up over time based on history. Right. Based on what has been proven to be true over time. Okay, it's something like investing in the S&P 500 index fund, right? Doing so systematically over time would make you very nice returns, right? Uh, so doing that is something that would be beneficial to most investors. Now, uh, if you are trying to pick individual stocks, buy stocks that are undervalued, right? And hold them and hold them and hold them and hold them. Peter Lynch talked all the time, uh, especially in One Up on Wall Street, he talked about how some of his best investment ideas didn't pan out for seven years or 10 years, right? Is anybody in the market today uh, really willing to hold anything for seven years or 10 years? It doesn't feel like it, does it? 
It feels like people are trading. It feels like people are in and out really fast, trying to make quick money, right? Uh, but Peter Lynch was the best uh, mutual fund manager that we have on record, right? The guy was averaging 29% a year uh, over an 11-year period. That is insane. That's an insane return that you can create. And he beat everybody, including the Warren Buffetts of the world, right? Uh, and so he took a long time for his investments to pan out because he was buying based on value. He was buying based on what he knew, and he was buying based on uh, the research and the analysis that he did. If you aren't willing to buy and hold, you're not an investor. You're a trader, right? You like to trade. You like to, you like to speculate. You like to jump in and jump out, right? Uh, but if you are trying to invest, right, investing means that you are likely going to have to hold something for a long period of time. It is 100% true that 99% of investment returns are made when you are doing nothing. Most of your investment returns are not made by you actually trading or by you actually doing anything. Most of your investment returns are made by you sitting on your hands, by you being patient, by you not looking at your investment account every day by you not checking stock prices all the time, right? Uh, I recently posted on uh, Instagram and Facebook this uh, quote from Warren Buffett uh, that said, you know, if you are willing to go Saturdays and Sundays without checking stock prices, which we all do because the stock market's not open on Saturdays and Sundays, he said, why don't you give that a try on weekdays? Because it seems like on weekdays, investors just want to have their face in their phone and checking the price every single moment, right? Buffett's also said, uh, if you went and you bought a farm, right, you wouldn't go every single day and have that farm appraised. Why? Because you're not interested in what the value of that farm is tomorrow, right, or next week. You're going to buy that farm and you're going to hold that farm and use it for whatever assets it can produce for you, right? And then eventually one day, you know, it is going to appreciate in value based on the price that you bought it for, because obviously you wanted to buy it for an appropriate price, right? And at that time, you'll have it appraised and you will sell it, right? But you're not going to go out every day and get your farm appraised. So why are you trying to go every day and see if the stock market is appraising your stock, appraising the company that you're investing in at a value that makes you want to act, makes you want to buy more or to sell or whatever, right? You don't have to act. A lot of times you can sit on your hands. Buffett has also said, uh, if the stock market shut down for 10 years today or five years today or something like that, five or 10 years today, and there were no prices, there was nothing going on, there was no market for five years, right? Would you be okay with the stocks that you held today for the next five years? And if not, why, right? Why are you not okay with those investments that you make, okay? We don't go and buy a house to live in just so we can turn around a week later and sell that house, right? We don't do that. What do we do? We go and buy a house, we live in it, we live in it, we live in it, right? Or we buy a house that we wanna rent out and we rent it out, rent it out, rent it out, right? And then we may sell it later, right? But we are not flipping uh, houses that quickly. Yes, there is flipping houses, but even flipping a house takes some time, right? It's not instantaneous like we can do in the stock market. There's not that level of liquidity, right? And so if we're not going to do it with a house, we're not going to do it with a farm, right? If we're not willing to hold stocks uh, for, you know, a long time, if we're not willing to, uh, you know, let the market close for five or 10 years, then, you know, what, what are we doing, right? Are we just, you know, trying to make money really quickly? Are we trying to just be exciting? Is it, is it a thrill? Is it a dopamine rush? What is it? What is it about this current generation uh, of people that are involved in financial markets that has been led so astray, right? It is okay to do boring things. 
And I know a lot of you out there are doing the boring things, and that is good. Do not get fear of missing out because I promise you over the long term, you are not missing out on anything. And those of you who are doing the exciting things, I'm not mad at you. Again, I'm not mad at you for doing the exciting things. But what I'm telling you is that if you don't do the historically time-tested things, right, then the short-term things are not going to mean anything. Right, because you may make a short-term bump uh, in a stock or in uh, Bitcoin or whatever, and then you'll get out and you're like, "Woo, made a hundred percent on that!" Woohoo, whatever. Right, but it's not about making returns in the short term. Right, Warren Buffett says uh, his favorite holding period is forever. Why? Because that money is going to compound and compound and compound and compound on itself. And when you're buying and selling in the short term, you're not allowing your money to compound and compound and compound. And again, you are far more likely to get bitten uh, the more short-term trading you're doing. You're far more likely to get bitten uh, the more that you are speculating. And you're far more likely to get bitten uh, if you are investing with no analysis or speculating with no analysis uh, and doing so in things that have no true margin of safety or have no true uh, intrinsic value that is above the current market price. So look, all I'm trying to do is implore you to be a smart investor, to be an intelligent investor like Ben Graham wants us to be, right? Be an intelligent investor, be smart. And a lot of times being smart means being boring, right? We can talk about all the fun stuff, we can speculate a little bit, we can have a little fun in it, but what's going to make you a millionaire? What's going to get you to your long-term financial dreams? I can tell you right now, it's not the short-term things. It's not the things that you uh, are so excited about right now that you're like, woohoo to the moon, right? No, it's not that thing. It is the tried and true. It is the systematic over and over and over again, putting money away, putting money away month by month, week by week. It, that's what it is. Year by year, your money is going to compound on itself. And if you can make 10% a year, you know how much money you can have just putting away, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month. You can be a millionaire, no problem. So speculate if you want to with a small percentage of your portfolio, but make sure that's not all you're doing. Make sure that the majority of what we're doing is the tried and true, is uh, actually investing in things that are time tested and will get you to long-term financial freedom. So thanks for watching this episode. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Now just message me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching and me and you can sit down in financial coaching sessions and begin to work towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately push you towards long-term financial freedom. So tune in tomorrow as I continue talking about financial topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.